Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to start off, as the pastor said, my name is Ethan Floyd. I'm the student pastor here. And I, I thought I was going to be here for about six months, but it's been too long. <laughs> going, on to, going over two years now, and it is awesome, and God is good. But um, I want to take a moment in honor, because it's always an honor and a joy for me to get to share the Word of God, and I don't take it lightly. But the pastor, the past 16 weeks, if any of you have been coming here, you know he's been going through the book of Daniel, and he has made the book of Daniel come to life. And I don't know about you, but I've, over the years, I've purposely never preached or pulled a devotional from the book of Daniel, because it's hard. There's prophecy, there's a lot of stuff, but not only has he just brought the series to life and spoke chapter by chapter, and has the church just come alive and rally, but I think this has been a a crazy year to be a pastor of a church. I'm glad that it was him doing it, not me. And he has navigated these waters, and I believe brought our church, church together where a lot of churches struggle. And so can we just give a hand to Pastor Winford? For... So thank you, Pastor. Honestly, the staff, have you rallied And also, make sure you do call him Pastor Winford when you leave here today. He likes that name. <laughs> but um, I hope you had a good Christmas. Earlier this week, um, I was talking with my assistant, Miss Charity Johnson, and, and another parent walked in, and I was talking about trying to find, it's my first Christmas being married, and I was trying to ask, like, man, what should I get? I have no idea. It seems like Cynthia just doesn't care about a lot of things. Like, I don't know what to get, and I was like, Charity, she honestly keeps saying she doesn't want anything. Like, should I just not get her anything? <laughs> and her and another parent, who I won't name, who's here, were like, oh, heavens, boy, listen. <laughs> And so I thought long and hard about what can I get or what can I get her. And I was like, I got it. The best present ever. And so Christmas morning, she woke up to me having a bow on my head. And <laughs> uh, you're welcome, Cynthia. It took 29 years to make. But uh, I'm just playing. Um, thanks to Target on Christmas Eve, we had a good Christmas. <laughs> but guys, I'm glad you're here. And before I go into the sermon today, my, I really believe that God has given me a word. And I've, I've beseeched the Lord, I've sought him, I've asked God, what is it that you have for me? And this is something he's been teaching me in my life, especially. But what is it you have for everyone at the church? What is something that we can receive, we can grab onto at the threshold, at the cusp of 2021? And this being such a weird year. And so I pray today, no matter where you're at, that we can believe that we're going to meet and encounter the presence of God. I was reading this morning in Luke and how Jesus, when they were out riding on the boat and Jesus fell asleep, if any of you heard the story, and the disciples were scared, the storm was mighty, and they woke up Jesus, they thought they were going to die, and immediately he commanded the waves to stand still and the wind to stop. And they were amazed, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith. And so many times I come to church, so many times I come to the Word, and I don't have faith that God's actually going to meet me. I don't really believe this is the man, this is the God who stops the waves and controls the wind. And so I want to ask this morning that if everyone could just be really honest with where they're at for about 10 seconds and stop and ask, God, can you meet me where I am? And can we really believe that God will show up this morning? Not because of anything I can say, but just because of who he is. And so I want you to ponder on that. Close your eyes for about 10 seconds. Just ask the Lord to meet you where you're at and then I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you that you came down from your glory 
into the mud, into the dirt, and you've met us all where we're at. Forgive us when we pretend like we're somewhere else. God, I ask that we could encounter you in a mighty way today. God, you could speak to us and we could be changed for your glory. In Jesus' name. I want to start by reading a list to you. COVID-19. Donald Trump. Joe Biden. Prophecy. Face masks. Police. Black Lives Matter. Riot. Republican, Democrat, vaccine, lockdown, China, fraud, quarantine, socialism, liberal. Now that we're definitely attentive, I just read a list of names that within that I know could charge a lot of people up and just know if If you're feeling attacked right now, it's not because of me. And that may be the Holy Spirit already working. But in 2020, this is just a list of some of the hot topics that are on the forefront of our minds. And my heart has been burdened because it has been so easy for the gospel of Jesus Christ to get pushed to the back burner, to get pushed to the back of our mind, to get pushed somewhere else. And all that's right in front of us is these things right here. And so I'm not going to give my opinion or comment on any of this list, but I do want to ask that today, can we refocus on the name of Jesus? Can we take take a step back and zoom out from everything that we're caught up in in this world as we're passing through it as believers? Can we take a step back and zoom out and refocus on the name that's above every one of those names? On a king that's powerful than any one of those kingdoms? Can we refocus on the whole reason that we are here? Can we come back to the gospel of Jesus Christ and his blood and the story of what he did for us on that cross? Can that be what we ponder on when we lay our head down at night once more? That's my hope for today. There's more words to come, I pray. But at the end of the day, my my hope is that as believers, I ask the question of what now? In a time I feel when it's easier than ever to focus on everything else, whether it be good or bad, I argue that anything that's not of Jesus is still just a distraction. And so let's dive in. I know the pastor's been going, he set the bar really high. He's been going through whole chapters at a time. And so today I figured I'd switch it up because I can't compete with that. So I'm just going to go to two verses. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And that's the question I want us to wrestle with this morning, guys. That's the question I want us to wrestle with is what now? It's the end of 2020. We don't see COVID going away. We're we're all eagerly anticipating what 2021 is going to be like, what the new election, who's in office. All these things are in our mind, are swirling around our brains. But what now? As believers, if you came in here today, you might be saying, oh, here's my New Year's resolution. I want to do this more. But what now? What can we grab onto? What can we hold? And if you came in here today and you know of God, but you do not know God, I pray you do not leave without being firmly challenged and understand of what it means to know God. But let's, let's continue answering the question today of now what? So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of, at the throne of God. Today I want to look through these two verses to answer three questions in response to what now? What are we called to do? Why are we called to do it? And how? How do we do it? And I realize this is a heavy text, and this is one of the more famous texts. If any of you've, um, you know, heard a lot of preachings or devotions or sermons, but there's a lot of ways you can attack this. And I'm going to choose to attack it this way, and I pray God speaks, and I know he will. And so let's first look at the what. What, if you read this verse as a whole, I try to say, what is this, what is this, what are these two verses calling me to do? When I take a step back and just, and just take out of it, copy and paste, what are these verses calling me to do? I came to two things. To lay aside every encumbrance and sin and to run the race with endurance. We'll get to the why and the how later. I think the verse explains, but I want us to, what are we called to do right now as believers going into 2021, all this going on amongst us, what are we called to do? Let's not focus on anything else. Let's, let's come back. Let's come back to our focal point here. What are we called to do? We're called to run the race with endurance and lay aside every weight and sin. Now, my version says encumbrance. It's the New American Standard. But a lot of other versions say sin or weight. The, the Greek word here, O-G-K-O-S, agkos, okos, kosko, whatever it is. <laughs> it just means burden, weight, hindrance. And I think this is a, such a cool picture because it says, which so easily ensnares us. And the, and the writer here, the word he uses for ensnare, for entangle, it's a picture of something that sticks to you that you can't get off, or also a picture of stuff that surrounds you that you can't move. And so when we look at things that entangle us, that ensnare us, that weigh us down, it's not a picture of, let me just pick up this, and just as easily as I pick this up, I can put it back down. That's not how easy these weights are, this sin is. It's more of a picture of actual weight that you gain. If any of you ever been on a hard weight loss drought, you try to gain muscle or, or lose weight or, or whatever the case is, you know how hard it is to lose weight. You can't, just, you can't just think about it really hard and wake up the next day and get on the scale. It's going to disappoint you. And so when this is a weight, this is something that sticks to you. I know that I've been married for about four months now, and I've gained 25 pounds. <laughs> And that's embarrassing, but before you look at me, I, f- I feel the judgment. Stop. <laughs> it's my wife's fault, all right? So <laughs> she cooks really good, and we have tacos many nights. But so I just know going on a run, my breathing's heavy. Like, I want to blame it on COVID. Like, yeah, that's why I'm tired. But it's just because I've gotten fat. <laughs> and I think about this sin and this weight, and it's the same thing as it's something you can't just easily, like a backpack or a suitcase, I can't just easily... Just as easily as I pick it up, I can't put it back down. These weights, this sin is serious. And my fear is, in the world we live in today, it is so easy not to take sin and distractions serious. It is so easy for myself. I've done it countless times this year, buying to this lie. I even justify it. I, I call sin not sin. I make what's black and dirty and grimy look like it's pure sometimes. Well, you know, how are you doing spiritually? Well, you know, COVID's just tough for everybody. We have just, you know, hey, how's it going, man? We're just, just kind of struggling, but we all are. 
See how quickly, yes, that might be just making small talk, but the heart of that, see how quickly in our own minds we can compromise with that we've been distracted from intimacy with Jesus? How we've been weighed down from looking at the cross again. And instead of holding that responsibility, the mirror to our own soul, we look at the world around us and have the perfect excuse right now to blame everything else. Because there's a lot of things to blame. And can I just say one thing too while I'm on it? I've had countless students in my office that have been during this time where it's been quarantine and isolation who the sins they once repented of, they're now struggling with harder than ever before. We have to realize, and I'm not making a political statement here, I'm just saying the truth. When believers are isolated and not in community, it is a breeding ground for the ultimate tempter to tempt us. And it is a breeding ground to allow sin back into the the dark places because there's lacking of accountability and there's a lack of community around you. And let me also say this disclaimer that church church open or not on Sunday mornings is not the answer to, to, oh, I don't have community because of this. As believers, we are called, if your community is as deep as just when the church meets, your community is not deep at all. As believers, we are to to daily be in each other's lives, to be loving and serving and looking at each other daily in the sharing of bread. And so all it takes is getting, and I'm going off on a tangent here, but all it takes is another person you trust who cares about seeking Jesus and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's quit hiding in the shadows because some of us, 1 John 1, 9 says, if you're faithful to confess your sins before the Lord and repent, he is faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Some of us just might need to stop before we go anywhere else today and just in our what now and just realize that this, is a t- this has been a tough time, but it has been an easy time for distractions and sin to creep back up, to give back into hobbies or habits that we've, we've had to crucify in the past, to spend a lot more time on hobbies that now have become idols. Some of us just need to be honest with ourselves and, and put something back to death that we've let come to life again. And whether the church meets or not, Let's not use that as an excuse to hide behind dealing with the Almighty God because Jesus is right there with us. And so, maybe that's what God's speaking to you today is there's something you just need to confront in your life. I know for me, personally, a few weeks ago, I feel like I had a revelation from God and I'm thankful that I have such a godly wife that holds me accountable who doesn't just scratch my back and say, oh, that's a, you know, be empathetic. But I said, Cynthia, I fear that, not I fear, God revealed to me that I have a lot of idols in my life right now. And I realized that over this time, especially since we've been married, the amount of time I've spent watching TV shows, sports, news, news articles, scrolling on Instagram, Facebook, I have to confess. I said, Cynthia, I realized that me just being in front of a screen for whatever reason is up here at this point in life. And yes, we're in a digital world. Yes, it's an online time maybe. But me being in front of a screen has done this. And me being in the prayer closet has done this. And I had to come to grips with it. And I was scared to tell her that because I know once I tell her something, she doesn't let go of it. And then later as I go to turn the TV on, hey, remember what we just talked about? (laughs) And I'm thankful I have a wife that takes that seriously. And so since then, I had to delete Facebook and, social, and uh, Instagram off my phone because the addictive habit just to go and scroll and consume my mind. I had to set a rule where we don't watch sports right now. 
and we don't turn on the TV at certain times. And it might sound silly, but I had to start taking it seriously. And so the first point, what are we called to do to lay aside every weight, every distraction, and every sin, and to run with endurance? And let's take a look at, uh, um, a look at run our race with endurance. And I don't want to speak too much on this. I know you can make 10 sermons out of this, these two verses, but simply put, our race, your race that is set before you is your life. What lies ahead of you, what God has for your life, your life, if you're living and breathing today, if you hear this message, your race set before you, let's not make it something super abstract and spiritual where we don't apply it to ourselves. It is just your life. So we're called to run our life with endurance, but let's look at what he, meant, what he means by endurance. It's the word hypomone, hippomone, and it means it does not mean the patience which sits down and accepts things, but the patience which masters them. It is a determination, unhurrying and yet undelaying, which goes steadily on and refuses to be deflected. How are we called to live our life? We're called to lay aside every weight and sin so that we may run, we may live our life with endurance, where we are actively deflecting every weight deflecting every sin, deflecting every obstacle that might distract us. This endurance is not a passive, let me sit back and just survive it. Let me just lay here and just keep breathing. It's not that. This is a fierce, aggressive, active endurance that means we're going to be patient and understand life is a marathon, not a sprint. But we are actively working. We are actively having strength and endurance by mastering these things, deflecting these things, continually laying these weights aside. And so I thought that was just a cool to really bring that to life of a lot of times when I hear endurance, I don't always think that. I think of, when I think of endurance, I define it like what's most convenient to me. Like, oh, endurance means run two miles at a 15-minute pace. Okay, I had really good endurance today. That's kind of how I view endurance, but this is a much different meaning. And so that's the what. So let me go ahead and move on to the why, because our what is we're called to lay aside every weight that would hinder us and to run our race with endurance. But Why? I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I asked why all the time. And if you have kids, I'm sure that's still a relevant question today. But why do we do this? For me, I really have to know the heart of what I'm doing. I really have to believe it because I'm stubborn. I really need to believe why I'm doing to really get motivated and passionate about doing it. And so let's look at our why. And we start off by seeing back in verse 1 that says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's stop there. I remember when I was in youth group growing up, we went to a church camp, and this stuck out with me because it was catchy. But the speaker said, anytime you see therefore, ask yourself, what is therefore, therefore? Cheesy, but it gets the point across. And so you go back and you look at chapter 11, even you look at chapter 10, the last half of chapter 10, it talks about the judgment and Jesus being our ultimate sacrifice and paying the cost for our sins. And then it goes into chapter 11, talks about the great heroes, some of the great heroes of men and women of faith from the Bible. And it mentions that it can't list everyone. And so when you see this cloud of witnesses, although there's some argument about the cloud of witnesses being the believers gone before us that are looking down, cheering us on, whether they can see us or not, I'm not going to get into that. But the cloud of witnesses, what it means is these witnesses of Jesus Christ have gone before us as an example of how to look ahead to Jesus. Now, where we are now, of course, we're on the other side of Jesus, and so we have the benefits of having 66 books making up the Bible. 
we have the, not only that, but we have the benefits of historically looking and seeing the factual evidence of Jesus' life that it was true. And that we got to see the promise that they just look for. It says, in a distance, they looked and they gazed, and they, they, in faith, they saw the promise in a distance of the coming Messiah. But we're on the other side where we look back, and in faith, we agree with who he is and what he did, and we look to the Messiah. And not only that, but we've been given, if that was not enough, we've been given the Holy Spirit, and Jesus promises to never leave us or forsake us, and he'll send his helper with us through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us and is right here doing the race with us. And so why do we do this? First of all, there's a whole chapter of the Hall of Faith, we call it, or the Hall of Fame of the the heroes of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews that gives us examples of countless times men and women of God had faith. And you see how God had favor on their life, how God blessed them, how God used them, and ultimately how God was faithful in their life. So not only can we trust God, not only can that be the, the number one reason why is to trust God, We're on the winning side. We're on the victorious side. But also, I want to bring up another why. I think there's also another cloud of witnesses that this verse might not be referring to, but still true nonetheless. I think there's another cloud of witnesses that Jesus refers to in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 through 38, when he says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I think there's another cloud of witnesses. And it's been so easy in this time to lose my why. I don't know about you. But for me, it's been so easy to lose my why. Because there is a disease that goes deeper than COVID. There is a pain of isolation that's deeper than two-week quarantine. There is something that there's no vaccine or cure for. There is a blindness that comes over the eyes that you can still see physically, but that's the trick. You can't see anything else. There is a hardness of heart that cannot be softened. There is a brokenness that had gone back since the ancient of days of Adam and Eve, a brokenness that entered this world and broke a perfect relationship between God and mankind and has severed that and caused a great distance. And oh, what a problem it is. so easy to focus on all the events that have happened in 2020. Can we go back to the why where there is a real battle of eternity at stake, but I'm so, so focused on whether I twist it or not. I'm so focused on the, the temporary battles right in front of me. I forget there is someone in our life right now that we know that if they died right now, they're on the way to eternity in hell. And I needed Jesus to, to, to awake me to that. Because my mind's been so busy in front of a screen, in front of other things, in front of a beautiful wife. Nonetheless, my mind has been so busy, I have forgotten what it's like to be compelled by compassion to remember there are people all around us right now, regardless of where their political stance is, regardless of how they feel about wearing a mask or not, regardless of how they feel about the future of 2021 or not, that either have Jesus or they don't. And if they don't, that's a really big deal. And we have to come back to the main battle because all throughout history we see that historically, Tactics of war are, let me create it so many times, let me create a diversion, let me create a distraction, because the real battle is happening right here. And I, and I fear, and God's been reminding me, woe is me, Jesus, help me. And I fear that I've missed so many opportunities. Because although the devil didn't argue the truth of eternity, he was just as effective by distracting us from it. 
He's been just as effective of making, me, of making us fight battles here, there, and everywhere that isn't the battle for eternity with Jesus. And so what is our why? I pray that we can absorb it, we can receive it, we can be compelled by it. Our why is that there's people who are lost and don't have a joy that never fades and haven't received the gift of eternal life through the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross. Can that be on the forefront of our minds again? Can that be the topics of our conversations around the water cooler? Can that be what we talk about? And I'm so guilty of how many times have I talked about everything and anything else and put the simplicity but the profoundness of the gospel on the back burner because I'm too focused on what's in front of me here in 2020. I pray that we can get back to our why. Oh, if we could try to avoid sin like we avoid COVID. Oh, if we could be as passionate about sharing Jesus with each other as we are about sharing our political views. Oh man, what a church. And so my prayer is, God, help us get back to our why. I know for me, when I'm weighed down with sin or distraction in my own flesh, I don't care about others more than I care about myself. If it's uncomfortable, uncomfortable, that was very country, uncomfortable. <laughs> if it's uncomfortable for me to share the gospel, I'm going to care more about my comfortability than I care about you. If it's uncomfortable for me to go and ask to pray for you, even though it's really awkward, I'm going to care more about me than I do you. And so when I'm weighed down and when I'm trying to run my race, I'm not really running. And I actually forget my why so quickly. Cynthia and I were at an event a few weeks ago, and we had the opportunity to, or, yeah, two weeks ago, we had the opportunity to pray with somebody. And God put it on my heart, we're supposed to pray with this person. And it was a scary moment, she remembers. It was a scary moment of like, this is really awkward. And we went and we prayed and we stepped into this. But God had been doing that because God had been giving me my why back. God had been giving me, I've, I've, I've actively been trying to lay down these weights again so I could be driven and compelled by the gospel again. And it's crazy what happens. It's crazy what you notice. It's crazy what you're sensitive to once you actually lay aside the weight and the sin and actually try to run this race and focus on the goal ahead, the prize ahead, Jesus ahead. When you actually do that, it's crazy how all of a sudden your why matters. And when I don't do that, you might know it in your head but it doesn't change how you act. And also I told, we had another good talk of, we were at the gym a week or so ago and we had a conversation with someone about Christmas and someone I've known over the years working out there on and off. And just what he said, there was a lot of bitterness, there was a lot of hurt and Christmas was just another day to him and he wished, he wished there wouldn't be a lot of hype about it. And it ruined my workout. And I didn't know how to reply. And I wish I could have said, I had this awesome reply, and the Holy Spirit told me this, but I didn't. And I prayed that I see him again. And I was so torn over it. I got back, we got back, and we were in the bedroom that night, and I said, Cynthia, I said, I, I, I panicked. I didn't know what to say and how to attack this situation, but I'm thankful to God that my heart hurts for people again. I'm thankful to God that I care more about his salvation than what's in front of me or what I'm supposed to do. 
And so as believers, now what? Can we lay this aside and run this race and get back to our why? Why we're doing this? Now, let's go on to the how. Because this sounds great of the what we're called to do, why we're called to do it, but how? Because although that sounds good, and we can get emotional and leave here and excited, that's going to fall flat. Before an hour hits up, before lunch is over, that's going to fall flat. Because we are selfish beings that struggle with the same sin as everyone else. And so how do we do this thing? How do we lay, if, if the sin is, like if the original Greek meant sticky or surrounds you, if it really is that heavy, how can I lose this weight? Well, the thing is we can't on our own. And also the why, I, we can't care about others and burden for eternity on our own. And so let's look at how do we do this? A very simple message that they action wise, but how do we do this? Starting in verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The word for fixing our eyes, or your version might say looking up upon Jesus or looking to Jesus. The word there is aphoro, and it means, don't check my pronunciation, but it means to turn the eyes away from other things, everything else, and to fix them on one thing, or to fix them on something. The word here isn't, I just casually looked and I saw that in the distance. The word here is, I actively turned my vision, turned my focus away from everything else, and I looked at this one thing. So how do we do this? How do we run this race with endurance? How do we lay this sin aside and these weights aside? How do we have our why where we really care about others and the main battle that's going on? How? Simply by fixing our eyes on Jesus. As we come into this new year, as we go into 2021, there's New Year's resolutions, there's the, the political climate or what's going to happen in, the, in this country next or how long is mask going to be worn or blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of things to talk about, but what if, not what if, the answer to what now is just can we refocus on Jesus? Can he be in the middle of our picture again? Can he be the main focal point we come back to? Can we stop fighting all these battles that are out here in the clouds or in our heads or in our conversations but actually don't matter right now? Can we refocus on Jesus? And when I come to the how, and back in ancient literature when I was reading, it was very common for, of course, here but also just in other literature that for writers and poets and storytellers, they always use leaders that were well-known. There wasn't social media back then. So they used leaders that were well-known so as the reader would read it, they would understand who they're talking about. So they'd use a king, a great leader, or even God as motivation for a story or as an example. So right here when it says to fix your eyes on Jesus, we ask, how do we do this? How do we run this race? Well, let's look how he did it. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How did he endure the cross? He looked beyond the cross. And saw the joy that was set before him by looking directly to the Father and the redemption that came through it. How do we do it on this world? We look beyond this world to the cross. We look beyond where we're at. We fix our eyes beyond it. We look at the end of the race. We don't look down at our feet step by step. We look ahead to the author and the perfect of the beginning and the end. The alpha, the omega, the one who 
started and made a way for us to have faith in the one who sanctifies us and perfects us along the way. How do we do this thing? Just like Jesus did, just as he looked beyond the cross and beyond the shame in this world and beyond the humiliation, we have to look beyond the presidency. I'm just going to make it real. We have to look beyond COVID. We have to look beyond what's going to be canceled or not. We have to look beyond all these things and have our gaze fixed on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The name is above every other name we've talked about today. That is how we do it. And not only that, we see an example of how he lived his life. And so the writer here is saying, hey, run your race the same way Jesus did. He's calling us to be like Christ. He's calling us to become like Jesus. To which a common rebuttal to that argument is, well, well, he was God and I'm not perfect. True. But he was also fully man and he became fully man and set aside his glory so that he could be an example for us. So that he could show us how we can do this as humans that have the Holy Spirit. Fully man and fully God, he stepped out to show us. He didn't make an example we couldn't obtain to. And be careful in how you hear that. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. He was sinless. We are sinful. But he showed us an example of how to walk, of how to talk. And so many times we discredit it because I'm not perfect. Can we take, pick the mantle back up and take the Bible at its word again? And literally, you know what you're first calling us to? I was thinking about this the other day. So many times we get caught up in callings or what's my talents or gifts. And before your gift, before your skill, before your passion, before it's you're a teacher or you're a nurse or you're a coach or you work somewhere else in the hospital or you work in accounting or in business or you work for the police or the government somewhere else before, or a painter or a trade job or a skill, before that's your calling. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to be obedient and do this the best I can. You know, I'll lead the preaching for the pastors. I'll lead the disciple making for those who know a little bit more about the Bible who are raised better. False. Your first calling is to come to Christ and become a new creation. And your first calling after that is to become like Christ. Everything else is way beneath that. So how do we do this? We look at the example he set, and that's a hard task. But let me try to give us some, a long-term and a short-term practical. Long-term can we look at the life of Jesus once more and examine it and study it the same way I've studied the news, the same way I look and I, I gaze on sports and I play fantasy football and I know all the numbers, the same way I do that. Can I study the life of Jesus like that? Can we study the life of Jesus like we, we study the other interests that kind of lead to nothing? Can we study that and say, long-term, let me take, long-term, let me add the practices and the actions of Jesus to my daily life as I delete one and delete one and delete one long-term. Add a practice, delete something else that's not of him, that's just in the way. Short-term, can we just take 10 to 15 minutes a day, a day focusing and looking back at Jesus again with the screens off, with the room quiet, or as quiet as you can if you live in a crazy household? or go to that quiet place, can we just get back to refocusing on Jesus again? He's the answer. Not a vaccine, 
not who's in office. Jesus Christ is the answer. And we can tie things and try to attach them to that. But let's get back. He is the name above all names. The same way in John 3, before the famous verse of 16, we see how Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness back in the Old Testament for the Israelites. That all who were bitten by a snake looked at it and were healed. That is the same name. It wasn't, it wasn't the bronze statue that represented the coming Messiah. We're called, he was lifted up on that cross. That is the same cure for everything we're dealing with right now and is the only cure. It's not, it's not the cross of Jesus and this on top of it. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And that's the name that is the ultimate cure, that is the main focus, or it never was. And it still is today. And so my, as, I'm, as I was sitting here preparing this message, I was like, Lord, if I could give, if, if not I, if you could give one message to the audience as we're going into 2021, and we just had the craziest up and down year maybe of your life, maybe not, but for a lot of us probably, what can I say? What challenge can I give God? What do you have for them? And I thought the Lord spoke to me just as clearly as just having a conversation with Cynthia in the car. And it was simply... Can you just look at me again? Can we just look at Jesus again? I was asking Cynthia, what's a, what's a good illustration? What's a good example to bring this home? There's got to be a good example. And I just couldn't think of anything. And she said, oh, it's like whenever you try to take a picture of me. And since I've been married, I didn't know how much people actually take pictures. But, uh, <laughs> and so, <laughs> but I've learned how to be a good photographer because I've had to be the cameraman for a lot of things. But my hands are naturally shaky, so I struggle. I could not be a doctor. You know the game Operation? As a kid, I mean, that thing went out of batteries with me. It just very shaky. But I, as I'm trying to take a picture, she reminds me that, hey, remember when I tell you to go to portrait mode? It focuses on the person you're, you're pointing the camera at and everything else is background. And I think of this blurry picture I have that can't really see because we're not in portrait mode we're not really focused on anything just food for thought you know the original word that meant entertainment came from to be entertained the word that meant to be entertained meant to the numbing of one's mind to not think you know entertainment leads us just to not focus and so I look at this and I think man my life so many times it's a, it's a camera that's not focused it's a camera that sees everything in the background but nothing at the same time but what if we put Jesus in the middle of our portrait mode what if we change the picture from blurry to clear and what if the cross is the main focus once again with many more hot topics to come I'm sure in 2021 but instead of the same way Peter walked out on the water to Jesus and his eyes were fixed on Jesus until he turned and looked at all the waves on the side. There are so many waves trying to distract us right now. But could we have endurance and actively turn away from all the waves, turn away from all the hot topics, turn away from everything online? And can we put Jesus back as the main focus of the picture once again, as the main pursuit of our heart? When you've hung out with someone long enough and got past the small talk, if you're really looking, you can see what they care about. The people closest to you, 
what's the first thing they say about you? Is it something about your relationship with Jesus? Or is it something about a hobby you do? Or a job you have? Or something with material things? You can tell, out of the, also Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Talking about focus, I think it's Proverbs 23.7. says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. Basically, what we focus on controls us. Can we focus on Jesus that, that he may control us? And that he may run this race and show us what it's like to have endurance? Through the power of looking at the cross, that's the answer to how we lay aside the weights and lay aside the sin. That's the answer of how we find our why again. Because there's a world that needs Jesus way more than anything else we've mentioned. So I'm going to pray as the band comes back up. And my prayer is, what now? Believers, non-believers, here at the end of 2020, a crazy roller coaster of a year, can we just make our main focus Jesus again and put our blinders onto everything else? And I want to give a few words to someone in here who may have came because they just, they just did or there was pressure or they, they've heard about God but they don't know him personally. If you're, if you're stuck in your seat right now and you're like, man, that sounds good, but how do I look at Jesus? How do I do that? I want to know God. I want to experience God I never have before. Maybe you were raised in church and you know all the right things to say, but it hasn't connected here yet in your heart. Or maybe this is your first time. Whether you're in this seat today or you're listening online somewhere, I want to ask that you turn to the verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. that says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, what does that mean to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? It means to openly agree that Jesus is God, the one and only. And what he says is true. And in agreeing that he is Lord, you're agreeing that you are a sinner in need of a cure and there is none other than him. If you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, if you openly agree that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I wanna give that challenge to anyone in here who maybe has not looked in Jesus in that way yet, in that way. Could you look at him? Could you, is that anyone in here? Could you look at him? And surrender. And if, if that's you today, I pray that you stop a staff member, a leader, someone who looks like they go here consistently. <laughs> and just say, hey, I, I don't know who else to tell, but can I share this challenge me? Can I just talk about it for a second and talk through it with you? Let's look at Jesus, guys, as we pray. And Jesus, thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you run this race with us, God. Thank you that you have the power to lay aside the sins and the weights on our behalf. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that we could be changed and we could leave here today going into 2021 as our New Year's resolution being, can we just make you the main focus of our life again? 